Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. There are other questions in business where we don't care why it's working. We just want to know that it works. And so for those types of questions, especially AI is going to be a really powerful tool. We just need something that works. We don't care why it works. The issue becomes if you don't get the right data, you're not going to produce the results or complete results. And again, I'm trying to be careful with my words you're not going to produce complete results, or you're going to come up with 42. What I love about these podcasts is, mate, we have these really good debates, and then at the end, we decide that we are agreeing with each other. At the end, we decide it's all um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So Ryan, in this podcast, I am going to link The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Flat Earthers, and AI. Can I take a guess as to how before you we get can, started? If you wish. So Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Flat Earth Theories, and Artificial Intelligence. What are three things that will end a first date very quickly? <laughs> Is that what we're going uh, yeah, that that would work actually. No. Maybe there's more than more than one way of um, uh, of linking those three things together. <laughs> well, what was your way, Colin? Well, let, let me let me tell you because, as I said to you pre-show, this is one of these things where, when we started the podcast, as listeners will know, we started when we wrote our first book, and we just enjoyed debating things. Yeah, and I've been thinking about this for a while and there's a few strands of things that are starting to come together and I want to test them on you okay because I think this is important and it this is following down the lines of effectively the headline if you like is what are the mistakes that organizations are making with AI okay that's the headline if you like okay and I I hope that we're going to get some way to answer that question today because we all know AI is is being ma- is massive. It's going to get even more bigger. But I worry that from a strategic standpoint, the opportunities are being lost, okay? And uh, the AI systems are being built in the wrong way. And there is the opportunity, in my view, to build them in what I would perceive to be the right way and therefore get a significant competitive advantage, okay? And if that doesn't convince you, dear listener, to stay and listen to this, then I don't know what will. Well, you you have to keep listening because Colin hasn't tied in Flat Earth yet, so it's coming. Absolutely. Let me try and sort of go through the process that I've been going through. So I'm going to lay the stall out, if you like. And as we do this, you may start to think, 
I really don't know where Colin's going on this, but it does all tie together. And the conclusion is actually a pretty simple once you've sort of understood the background of where, where we're coming from. You ready for this? I'm ready. And uh, and not knowing where you were going right. has never so, stopped me. As before. I've been looking into this, I, I, I found um, a really good example of a big telecoms company who had designed an AI system to identify customer churn, okay? So they built this AI system. At the end of the day, it could identify which customers were going to churn, okay? The issue was they couldn't identify why the customers were churning, okay? Which is a bit of an issue, okay? Yeah, I mean, that's the big trade-off with that comes with AI. And I, I agree with you that I think that a lot of people don't fully appreciate that that's the trade-off you're making. So a lot of these AI models are very, very good at predicting, like amazingly good. Yes. But the trade-off is what I have decided I'm going to start calling the black boxishness of it all. Yes. Like it, it does this in such a way that we don't, know why it's making these connections within data and it, it there's no way to kind of tease out what those connections mean it all happens beneath the surface yeah so it, it made me think of and here's the first connection the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy good yeah and for those of you that have read it or seen the movie you'll know that the question you need to read it the movie doesn't do it justice the movies no fine, i agree with you but you need, I need to read it yeah, yeah. It, it's great, and one of the what is the, what was the robot called? Big, big thought or something like that. Anyway, the big computer. They had this computer that was the size of a planet, and it was working on the question for something like a hundred million years. Yeah, the question what, to life, the universe, and answer. What's yeah. the answer to the life, the universe, and everything? Yeah. And and the answer is forty two. So it came back with an answer of 42. And it made me think, that's exactly the issue. So the answer could be 42. It's just we don't understand the context of the question and how they... They they then ask the computer, oh, well, if that's the answer, what's the question? And the computer says, I don't know. (laughs) Which is to your point. I mean, that's our AI model can tell you what's going to turn. Oh, great. Well, then why are they leaving? I don't know. Yeah, well, you didn't ask me to think about that, did you? That's right. Oh, just go away for another 100 million years. (laughs) But yeah, it, it, it just made me think, yeah, that's the that's the issue. Okay, so how the AI is set up, okay, becomes very important, and why it becomes strategically important is because it clearly provides a great amount of benefit. Okay, and the danger is that too many AI systems that I see are being designed in the wrong way. Okay, so why is this again important? We'll put a link in the show notes, but you'll be aware of my opinion that we are seeing the decline of customer experience as a wave of change. Again, I'm being careful with my words. So we are we are seeing the decline of customer experience as a wave of change. I think it will it will definitely carry on. It will go the way of CRM. It will just become business as usual. And the next wave of change we've talked about on the show. Uh, is customer science 
And there were three pillars to customer science, and that is the convergence of three areas, which effectively is data, AI, and behavioral science. Okay, And those three things, I think, are converging together for a number of companies, not least of which are the, are the large tech companies. Okay, Within that context, the AI and the data and behavioral science uh, is where my main concern lies. Because if you then start to say, okay, well, we're coming up with the answer 42 or we've, we're identifying that customers are churning, we just don't know why, the question then becomes, well, how are you designing your AI systems, okay? And again, I've been doing my sort of due diligence on all of this stuff. And again, we'll put a couple of links in the in the show notes of a couple of videos that I think are pretty good that describe the difference between machine learning and deep learning. So for those of you that don't know, you've got AI as the, you know, as the main subject, and therefore the umbrella. the umbrella subject, absolutely, thank you. And you've then got two ways of effectively designing those systems. One is machine learning and one is deep learning. And I'm going to go into this in a little bit of detail, but only at a sort of a layman's view. So machine learning is effectively algorithms. So someone, and this is important, someone is sitting there writing code that is used and then collecting data, and again, that's important, and I'll come back to that, collecting data to feed in to the AI system for it to learn. So here's the issue. Garbage in, garbage out. So the issue becomes, if you don't get the right data, you're not going to produce the results or complete results, and again, I'm trying to be careful with my words, you're not going to produce complete results, or you're going to come up with 42, yeah, uh, and you're not going to know the reasons why. Deep learning is built upon neural networks where effectively the AI discovers patterns themselves, okay? And the way that a good example that I was given was so if you're looking at machine learning, and machine learning, you have to tell the system what a tomato looks like. So you have to say it's red, it's round, it's got a stalk, and sometimes it doesn't have a stalk and stuff like that. With deep learning, you don't have to tell it what a tomato looks like. You basically, it will work out the fact that it's a tomato. Advantages and disadvantages Machine learning doesn't take as much data as deep learning does. So deep learning takes a, a lot amount of uh, data. So why am I going into this detail? I'm conscious I'm doing one of these podcasts, mate, where I'm just rattling on, so I'm going to come up for breath occasionally. Um, <laughs> anything you want to? Anything you want to add? No, so th this is not an area of expertise for for me. I've, I mean, I've, I know a little bit about it, but um, certainly not. It's not work that I do myself. I'm on the behavioral science side. It, I think it is useful for people to think about this in terms of not being like right or wrong, but instead of as a series of trade offs. So, both machine learning and deep learning fall underneath the artificial intelligence umbrella. 
You can go outside of that umbrella, though. So there are fully structured models, which is variations on statistical regression models, where I tell the model exactly what I want it to look at. And then it goes and it does it. And then it spits out an answer. And then on the artificial intelligence side, there's, you know, kind of one step down, which is the machine learning, which is what I, I tell it part of what I want it to look for. I give it some structure, codify the data in some way so that it can, but there's still a learning component to it. So the model is still trying to figure out some of the stuff. And then the deep learning stuff, I, I get real hands off and I only provide kind of bare bones structure. And then the, the model itself fills in most of the gaps. And again, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. Like one is super powerful and therefore the only way to do it. If I fully impose a structure on the model, just kind of the older way of doing things now, I know what's going on. It's not a black box, right? So if, if I've created a model and then I get an output, I'm in a much better position to know maybe not what's causing it, the outcome, but at least what's related to it, right? So going back to that customer, if I created the the model and then I see like this predicts customer churn fairly well, I can look back at the model and say, oh, these are the factors that seem to be correlated with that customer leaving. Yes. Whereas if it's a, a deep learning model, the prediction's probably going to end up better because it's incorporating now all kinds of things that I hadn't thought about as a model designer. But the trade-off is this black box issue, which is I, I now don't know why. Sure. Yeah. Which goes back to the 42, basically. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to jump the gun. This might be an implication of all that. But if, if you're looking for where to apply AI, there are certain questions in business where they're kind of strategic level questions. And so it's really important for us to know why so that we know what to do next or if things go wrong. There are other questions in business where we don't care why it's working. We just want to know that it works. And so for those types of questions, especially AI is going to be a really powerful tool. We just need something that works. We don't care why it works. If it's some other kind of, of strategic level question, my initial impulse would be to, to be real cautious about how we apply AI in that case. Yeah. So, so let me, let me debate that with you then. Yeah. So here's the issue for me. Okay. The nub of the issue. Okay. In thinking this through, and this is where I'm going to draw in the second, second part of my link. So we've done Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Actually, it's the second and third. Let's talk about flat earthers. Okay. And then let's talk about AI. Okay. So the issue for me is that, and we did a podcast on this a couple of weeks ago, where we use the analogy of flat earth. Okay. Imagine a world. So let's imagine for a moment that everyone thought that the the world was flat okay and i've really found it quite interesting because i've actually been going on and reading some of the stuff about flat earthers and what they believe and stuff like that so one of the things that they believe is that the north pole is in the center of this flat disc and the south the antarctic actually surrounds the whole of the disc and it keeps it all contained Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with global warming when it starts, the, the, the walls start declining, but there you go. But the point I'm trying to make is, imagine that you thought the world was flat, and now imagine that you are writing the program, you're writing the program on the premise that the world is flat. 
mm-hmm. and you're fitting in the answers, whatever answer it spits out, you're fitting the answers into the context of the world being flat. Yep. Okay. And that for me, therefore, becomes the issue because if only 5% of the world believe that the world is round, that they're never going to, that's never going to be considered because the you, uh, everyone's looking at the world as flat and, and therefore putting all the data in there. And the way I would equate the world is flat from a customer experience perspective is that a customer experience is just about rational things. A customer experience is about what you're doing with the customer and the price. It's not about emotions. It's not about behavioral science. We are therefore not programming it to consider those things. And we don't have the data to input into the models, both machine learning and and deep learning, to be able to explain those things. Therefore, the output we're going to get is just going to be skewed towards the rational experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And therefore, strategically, that's a big issue because, and this is where I said at the beginning, there's a big opportunity. So for me, those organizations that embrace that, we need this emotional side, we need the behavioral science side, we need to look at the results through a behavioral science lens. So what customers are doing rather than just what they're, they're saying then that will provide a significant competitive advantage. And now imagine the time it's taken to build these AI systems and the investment that's involved. If you're building it when you think the earth is flat, you're not going to suddenly change your mind and go, oh, blimey, we got that wrong. We better start again then. Because everyone in the organization thinks the world is flat, it's going to self-perpetuate itself. Does it make sense? I think so. Keep talking. Let me give you an example of this, and maybe I'm going a bit mad with this. But I went into ChatGBT, mm-hmm. and I asked it, as part of all my preparation for all this stuff and thinking about this all stuff, I said to it, what data do I need to be able to create an effective AI system? I can't remember the exact question, but that, that was about it, Okay or oh, a, a customer to improve customer experience. That's mm. what I, I'd asked it to, okay? Here's what it told me. These are the data pools that you'd need. Customer democratic data, purchase history, customer interactions, customer feedback, website, app, and usage data, social media data, support ticket data, customer satisfaction metrics, okay? Now, This is an AI system that is clearly built up from all the data that's out there in that is called upon, and it's come up with this. So by definition, it's naturally skewed to what's already out there. The interesting bit for me is there is not one word of mention of customer emotions, and there's not one word of mention of behavioral science. Now, let me take a step back. I know that ChatGBT is not the answer to life, the universe, and everything. 
because we already know that the answer is 42. The answer is 42, yeah. <laughs> but it, 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 we know it there has got some inaccuracies and everything else, okay? So it's more directional than anything else, okay? But the point I'm trying to get to is, is, is this, is the big danger for me, the big mistake is that organizations are not including, they are not, it's not being written by people who understand customer experience uh, or advising from people that understand customer experience, emotions, behavioral science, okay? And the certainly the out, so it's not being written in that way and they're not including the data sources from that as well. Well, that's the big danger and therefore the big mistake and it's just a strategic mistake because they're not just going to suddenly go back and go, oh, well, let's start again because we didn't do that. And it's an opportunity because at the start of all of these programs, then if you start to d embrace those things, as we've talked about with customer science, then I think you can get some competitive advantage. We wanted to thank everybody for listening. You are great and the reason we do this. We're really pleased that we now have over 200 episodes. We've seen the podcast grow and grow, and now, according to Buzzsprout, it is in the top 5% of all podcasts globally. Thank you. That is truly amazing and not possible without you. But we have one request of you. Can you please tell a friend, a neighbor, or even someone you hate? It would be really good to get more listeners, and it encourages Ryan and I to continue to produce the show. So please, just tell a friend. No, I mean, I agree on the high points of what you're saying. Like the, these models are dependent on the data that you feed them, right? So the advantage of an AI model, especially like a deep learning model, is you don't need to know where the connections are. So if I'm building out a traditional statistical model, I need to have some ideas of what to put into the model. And I think this is your, your flat yeah. point. Let's take a step. Let's just stop there for a moment. Be clear. So... In both circumstances, with machine learning and deep learning, you need the data for the machines to learn. Yes. Okay. So my argument is the data is not being included in most of right. those. Right. Machine learning, you need someone, it's, it's doubly worse, which is you need someone to be able to then program it, to look at it, and if they're not intelligent, if they have not, they're clearly intelligent, if they've not got the background in customer experience, emotions, and behavioral science, then how are they building that? And if no one in the organization has got that, then how are you how are you doing that? So I'm just clarifying that bit. So I, I hesitate to argue this too forcefully because, I, again, this is outside of my area of expertise. I think that a data scientist might argue that these models are set up to to iterate across levels. So yeah. we're going to take an initial pass through the model and the model is going to learn something and then it's going to take another pass through what it learned the first time and it'll learn something else and it'll take another time. And I think that the purpose of that is in part to infer stuff that might not be directly in the data. So that some of the stuff on the list that you laid out might actually include emotional information. So they said social media posts, you know, that might have some 
support ticket information that might have some kind of indirect emotional response. How is the machine going to say about emotions if they don't know about them? That's the black box-ishness of it, right? So it might be that people who buy at a certain time of day end up being less satisfied than people who buy it at a different time of day. If we were setting up a model ourselves, we could test time of day and we could see, oh, time of day matters. Instead, all that's being fed into this AI model, especially a deep learning model. And it's just like noting that things are together. It could be that the reason that people at a certain time of day are dissatisfied is because they're in a bad mood, because they're hungry, because it's right before lunch or whatever it is. The AI model would pick up that these people are, are likely to be dissatisfied. And it might be because they, they might even predict that it's because they are emotional, like they, they might be detecting in some way that emotions are driving it. But because it's a black box, we would have no way of being able to pull that information out. So we wouldn't know that emotions are driving it. I mean, to your point, like that, the better the data that you feed into it, then the, the more likely it'll be to pick that kind of thing up. Where I would where I would argue that the behavioral science helps is it might help us identify better sources of data to include. If we're doing some of the higher order modeling, it might tell us how to structure models. It can also, though, work as a parallel track to try to figure stuff out. So if our AI model says, okay, so these people are going to churn, can we go back through and look at those people and develop some hypotheses and then test them? And yes, and that, we're saying the same thing, mate. Good. So the issue is that there is no one, this is a sweeping generalization, there are not many people that are taking that view Yes, because they think the world is flat. So because they're coming from a, a basis that says, Custom experience is about rational things. Custom experience is about price, et cetera, et cetera. They are not saying, let's get some help in designing this. Let's, you remember a couple of, probably a couple of years ago now, I think, we employed, not we didn't employ actually, we had a couple of your friends on the podcast who were from FinTech. Mm-hmm. And I always remember because one of the questions that I asked them, and these were behavioral scientists, and one of the questions I asked them was, how many fintech companies have got behavioral scientists in the team? And they said, all of them. And I thought, bloody hell. Okay. Now that for me is a a good example of customer science. Yeah. Let's go to the other end of the scale. How many cable companies have behavioral scientists in the team? How many cable companies are building their AI at the moment? How many cable companies do you think are collecting data, okay, from all of those sources and going, oh, we're missing emotional data, oh, we're not programming in that you know some behavioral science principles all oh, where now we've got the output of that and we need to improve the model a bit oh let's look at that through a behavioral science lens and now let's go back and change the model no one yeah. none of them referencing those those friends that we had on they also said though i can't remember if we got into this online but having talked to them about it offline even those companies that do have behavioral science divisions, 
the people who are who are writing the AI code are not talking to them and don't really respect their opinions. So I guarantee that's going to happen as well. That's less hopeful. I think on the more hopeful side, well, even this, I'm going to give this as a mixed bag. Again, my my rudimentary understanding of, of AI is that one of the advantages is it can potentially uncover things like emotional drivers. Yeah. Even if that's not like crystal clear in the data. So you don't necessarily need to dump in like survey data asking people how they feel. Like the power of these models is that it may be able to detect connections that are like three or four layers deep by just kind of churning through the data, which is really powerful. And so it potentially brings in some of these emotional factors as things that can predict outcomes. But again, I go back to the black box issue. Even if the models are inferring emotions to make predictions, unless you have a deeper understanding of that process through some other means, you're not going to know that that's what's driving the effect. So you're not going to know as a manager, oh, the reason these people are churning is because of they're feeling frustrated or whatever. Yeah. But that's what we need to focus on. So we end up agreeing as usual. Let me put it in a slightly different way for the listener. Okay. So for me, the issue is, yes, I agree that the AI systems will identify patterns of behavior that are caused by customer emotions. But for me, and again, I may be wrong, but for me, unless you've told the AI system that there is even a thing called emotions, and that these types of things, machine learning, you are teaching the machine that these types of things, being on a phone call for 40 minutes and an announcement saying your call is important to us, are going to cause frustration. You're not teaching it about emotions. But let's take your other, uh, other part of your argument. Now, let's, so let's assume that it's identified the pattern. We haven't told it about emotions, but it's still identified the pattern. And now I'm looking at the result, and the result is 42. Right. Okay? And because I am a flat earther, the way that I interpret 42 is by doing this, because that's what flat earthers believe, that there's this boundary around the earth. So I'm now going to design a program that is going to deal with the fact that it's 42 and that the earth is flat. Actually... If you'd got a behavioral scientist involved and, you know, done all the things that we talked about, you would know what the answer is, and therefore there's competitive advantage in that. Does that make sense? That, I think, is the biggest takeaway. I foresee a a wave of decision-making over the next several years where we're going to get a bunch of outputs from from AI that will be very predictive. They'll, They'll be good at predicting things. And then we're going to get a bunch of managers who are not going to change their their mindsets about anything. I had a hammer. This now tells me some predictive output, and I'm going to whack it with my hammer, as opposed to earlier forms of knowing Maybe things. I don't need a hammer. Disadvantages. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not against AI. I think it does amazing things. But I think it was more likely under previous regimes of knowing things that we might realize maybe a hammer is not the right tool here because we're getting different kinds of feedback. Whereas when we're only getting 
the output. When we're only getting 42, we go, aha, well, let me hit 42 with a hammer. What I love about these podcasts is, mate, we have these really good debates, and then at the end, we decide that we are agreeing with each other. At the end, we decide it's all um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It is, and the answer is 42. And talking about that, do you remember Slarty Bardfast? Yes. Well, I'm going to Norway on a cruise with my wife, and we're going through the Norwegian fields. And for those of you that don't know, Slarty Bardfast actually drew all the fields. He was an expert at drawing fields. He, um, he won an award, I think, in the books for it. Yes, he did. So the interesting thing is that I'm, I'm looking forward to going on the cruise and talking to people about Slarty Bardfast <laughs> and see if anybody knows who in the hell I'm talking uh, about. Oh, this is another thing that would get you uh, ending a first date quickly, as mentioned in Slarty Bardfast, <laughs> and um, also potentially get you kicked off a cruise ship. We'll see. <laughs> I'm glad we got a link to the beginning of the show. Anyway, <laughs> very professional. Okay, so I hope that's been of, of use to you today. If you have any questions on that, if you've got any thoughts on that, as usual, Ryan and I are not saying we have the answers to, now realize how many times I say this, uh, the answers to the life, the universe and everything, uh, then then let us know. Um, we'll be doing um, uh, a LinkedIn newsletter on this as, as usual and some posts. So just interact with us. So it'll be good to, good to hear from you. Um, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Okay. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it would be really great if you could leave us a review. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. Intuitive Customer.